Greetings, Alpha Seekers. Welcome to Nugent Ventures. It's President's Day, and, uh, you know, I think that may get a name change because so many of these presidents are, are being canceled, like Lincoln and Washington, and uh, clearly, you know, once the progressives realize that uh, that Trump is being celebrated. They're going to have to call it at least Presidents Except Trump Day. So, you know, how many politically, how many woke presidents can we count? Or maybe they'll have two Presidents Days, like one for Democrats and one for Republicans. I don't know, but uh, for the moment, Happy Presidents Day. And, uh, it's funny, I'm watching a thing on CNBC about uh, the empires of New York, and one of the, it features like Rudy Giuliani and Donald Trump and Ivan Bosky, who was an old uh, guy who got in trouble. Uh, I forget exactly what he, some kind of fraud. Leona Hemsley went to jail, I think. I think she went to jail for tax evasion. And then John Gotti, you know, so it's kind of an interesting cast of characters because they were all the big uh, New York figures in the 80s and, uh, you know, they're all nefarious in ways. And it talks about Trump when he wrote The Art of the Deal, which I read and thought, hey, man, this is great. You know, this guy really has it going on. Well, the, it was ghostwritten and the guy who wrote it says it's all, it's all BS. And he, you know, while he was getting himself on the Forbes richest 400 people in the in the country, he was actually going broke. So, you know, he's always been kind of a, you know, kind of like the old uh, the old character on Saturday Night Live, like the the congenital liar <laughs> type of guy. <laughs> so. I mean, it's not really that big a surprise that he that he governed the way he governed, I guess. So anyway, well, that's all behind us, hopefully, although the liberals are not letting that die, obviously. You know, now they want to do some kind of a 9-11 commission and everything else. So. Anyway, uh, so we, yesterday I was too lazy to do the Tribune review, and there wasn't that much in the Tribune, but... Um, there's an article which I think can apply to uh, many things, not just uh, children. But this is, you know, and it's, the trip is basically the New York Times now. They're picking up articles from the Times. So this one is a Times article. Uh, Verbal reasoning with unruly child can sometimes backfire. And so I'm a big fan of, you know, corporal punishment, Uh which is my military radio name. But it worked well for me. I, you know, I mean, the threat of violence in Catholic school was marvelously effective as a disciplinary tool with me. I, I rarely did anything wrong in grammar school or high school for fear of corporal punishment. And I could tell some stories, but, uh, you know, Suffice it to say that they did not spare the rod when I grew up. and uh, But what the current wisdom is, and I don't have any kids, so what do I know, but uh, 
it seems to have a lot. Uh, the, the point of the article is, let's put it this way. Most parents know the child behavior experts recommend against spanking. I mean, it's a lot more than that. I think Herschel Walker got in trouble. Was it Herschel Walker or some running back got in trouble uh, for admitting that he, he took his kid out and whipped him, you know, <laughs> literally. And let's see. New research suggests that so-called positive discipline methods don't work either. So verbal reasoning was associated with a mixed bag of outcomes, according to Andrew Grogan Kaler, who is a professor of social work at U of M in Ann Arbor. And let's see. It seems to have a lot to do with effect, emotion, A-F-F-E-C-T. I always have trouble with effect and affect. You can deliver verbal reasoning in a blaming and shaming and angry way, and that's not going to be successful. But delivering in a loving and supportive way that still seems to be successful. So in other words, if you use logic with negative emotion, then it's ineffective. And I think this can be, you know, certainly... I mean, I've been on the other end of some, uh, you know, verbal reasoning in business situations that was kind of ineffective. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, bouncing the rubble, repeating the same admonition or telling me something I already know is a problem. Uh and like, how stupid could you be, you know? And it's like, well, pretty stupid. No, I mean... You can have people be condescending, and that doesn't work with me. And I was thinking about this, actually, within the marital context. You know, I can I try to use logic sometimes in marriage. and the, You know, marriage isn't a particularly logical thing. But uh, I may take that to heed to try to be kind when explaining things. Uh, And vice versa, you know, sometimes I'll share this with my wife, too. So uh, the key is structure, open communication, and developmentally appropriate removal of privilege. Privileges. Now, that's not white privilege, okay? Although that's happening. Uh, the, uh, the idea here is that, you know, you take away the kid's keys to the car or something if the kid runs it into a tree, I guess, is the idea. So, practice what you preach. They don't say that because we live in a secular era, but, you know, that's the old saying. So, verbal reasoning's negative effects include increased aggression when parents use harsh tones and taking away privileges. So, in other words, the kid gets mad if you take away privileges, if you say, well, you can't watch TV or whatever. Telling children you love them, making it clear that you want to spend time with them, providing them structure, making it clear you value their point of view and that you want to listen to them and you want to work with them rather than simply telling them how to behave is the way to go. And I think there's, the reason I bring it up here is I think there's lessons uh, in management and uh, lessons 
in every kind of relation, including, I suppose, investor relations, you know. So those of you who are investors in Nugent Ventures, you can expect me to treat you that way, you know. Um, and hopefully you'll do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Spotting your children being good and then praising them is a good idea. So then they'll miss the praise if you if you if you withdraw that. You know, that could be that could be effective. And that's another management technique, right? In other words, build self-esteem rather than destroy it. Uh, let's see. Kasdan said it's like playing the inst- an instrument. The more you practice, the better you get. So if you play the drums, for example. The more you practice, theoretically, the better you'll get. I don't have a drum set. I'd like one, but I don't have one. And I I never have any place, you know, I've never lived in an environment where I could play the drums without annoying the hell out of people. So I don't have a drum set. One of the weakest ways of changing human behavior is reasoning. That's interesting. To make sure the message is clear, it's really important for parents to explain things and reason with their child. Reasoning with a child teaches thinking, vocabulary, self-control, restraint, abstract reasoning, but it doesn't change behavior. So that's interesting. I mean, and I found this, that you can logically explain things to people, which I do on Facebook a lot, and, uh, you know, it doesn't help. (laughs) So, now I could be wrong, or at least they think I'm wrong, but... That's, I think, true. A lot of people's behavior is almost, in fact, tons of it is driven by emotion, not logic. I mean, why do you think we have wars? War is not a particularly logical thing to do. It's all driven by emotion. And bringing it full circle, so is investing, right? So much of it's driven by sentiment and momentum, as we see in the Tribune. Um there's an article about baseball cards, and that's a big thing now. You know, I, the, what caught my attention is uh, new cards are immediately worth three to ten times the retail price in the secondary market if they are sold unopened. So theoretically, I could go buy b- baseball cards and then resell them for ten times what I paid. Now, that sounds like a good idea. And you, you can read the article. I may even post on the Nugent Ventures LinkedIn page. Exciting as it is. And I don't know. I I thought about trying that, but evidently they sell out like right away. Tops makes them and, you know, boom, they're sold. But the reason they do is that uh, you buy like a brick of them or whatever. And in every uh, brick, there's like two or three autograph cards that may be worth a lot of money. So it's kind of like a needle in a haystack type of thing. And the the smart guys say that's a dumb trade, but the, you know, there's always suckers. And they're the ones who pay the three to ten times retail. So I don't know. Then the other thing in the trib is about this doggy coin or doggy coin and the guy who invented this got out of it in 2015 because it was just too crazy. And he's just like, you know, I invented this thing as a joke and now you people are trading it? it it's insane. 
So we live in a sort of a Dutch tulip bubble time when people are trying to get rich quick. I mean, there's part of society, like I put a thing out in my private Facebook because I don't want to hear a lot of grief about it. There's this woman who is the same complexion as I am, and she's like a health economist, and she's like, "Am I, I'm starting to think I'm the only one who turned down the vaccine because I don't want to get ahead. I, you know, I don't want to exercise my privilege. And I felt like telling her, yeah, <laughs> you are, you know, except the anti-vaxxers. And so then I felt like saying, well, why don't you give up your job and give it to somebody who doesn't have privilege? You know, why don't you give up your house? If you really want to follow through on this, you know. So there's that kind of person, and then there's the type of people who want to get rich quick on doggy coin. So, anyway. These are the things that occur to me as I read my Tribune. Then there's an article about um, former retail salespeople who are out of work. Now, mass are, and it's lessons learned. One of them is, I learned the customer isn't always right. And I actually found that in my experience in business. Sometimes a customer isn't right. I mean, sometimes even I as a customer am not right, you know. So, believe it or not. Let's see. Another thing. This guy was a manager. He says, I learned that if you're hired to do a job, then do the job. It's hard to argue with that. But simple as it is, you know, it's good advice. Because sometimes when you have a job, you just don't feel like doing it, you know. Now, there's a fascinating article, uh, which I won't go into in any great depth, but it's about... The title is Losing Sleep Over Wokeness, which is kind of a clever pun. And uh, French politicians, intellectuals, and others say social theories from the U.S. are a real threat to national identity as well as the republic. And, you know, I think that's honestly what this whole MAGA thing is about. You know, there's a deconstruction of American heritage going on here. And it starts at the university level. You know, kids, you send your kids to college and they come back, as, you know, kids usually do from college, different. And they're, I've noticed this even in Facebook. You debate with people and you can tell that they have this well-thought-out uh, philosophy about wokeness. And they're being taught it in school. And basically it's all about privilege and, you know, the... The history of America is like a history of oppression. It's kind of like the Oliver Stone viewpoint on America. And the same thing is happening in France. And the French, the older generation, is like, you guys are tearing apart the whole uh, patriotism uh, that holds our country together. And that's been under siege for a long time. There's always been a film noir type of uh, a mentality about, you know, national mythology. But, you know, what do you replace that with? That's the question, and that's unclear to me at least. I think that if you tear down the myths of uh, nation states, 
you eventually end up with you know a move toward globalization and and sort of the international instead of the national anthem um and you know the one world type of a thing now that may not be the worst thing in the world frankly because um you know if there were no nations you know it's the only imagined john lennon thing but on the other hand things being what they are um you know, since the United States, with, I don't know, maybe 5% of the world's population, has, you know, at least 25% of world GDP, that would be a lot of privilege to uh, redistribute. So, do Americans really want to have the standard of living uh, of Ghana? Or... Bangladesh, whatever they call that now. I don't know. But it's not just here that this is going on, is the point. And it's it's kind of a generational thing. Because when I went to school, they weren't teaching that. And so then the other thing I picked out from uh, is Peanuts from the, from the paper. And... Uh, It's a it's a great one, and it quotes scripture. You know, Linus is kind of the the minister, and he quotes Romans chapter eight. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with sighs too deep for words. So, I thought that was rather poignant. And then, uh, from the sublime to the ridiculous, Dilbert, uh, at the end, Dilbert says, uh, maybe you could implement some sort of bogus company culture training program. And so Dogbert gets the job. And everybody's in the training session with Dogbert as the instructor. And Dogbert says, it's important to realize you're all idiots. <laughs> Which is reminiscent of, you know, many training programs that I've been in. And just by the virtue of the fact that you're sitting in a training program and you hired the guy who's training you, that's the ultimate indicator that you're an idiot. You know. Most consultants have no idea what they're talking about, as far as I'm, in, in my experience, at least. So, But, you know, they can get you to believe in what they're saying for a while. And, of course, now I am more or less a consultant. And I don't know what I'm talking about. I mean, I, have my, I may have the occasional bright idea. But, you know, what do I know about your business? So, um... There's a couple of uh, stories I've seen that, that, that show a pattern. I saw one on the Trib and one um, on Bloomberg. You know, these re- these pandemic uh, refugees. There was an article yesterday I came across. Someone from New York bought a place in L.A. Sight unseen. <clears throat> paid through the nose. Gets there. And it turns out the place has black mold 
and she hates the house. So she sold it at a loss and then moved into like a, uh, a, a studio apartment. So she's in the same boat she was in in New York. And in fact, it's an out of the frying pan into the fire scenario because she, you know, LA's a hot spot now and New York's fine. New York's got it under control. So, you know, running away from this thing is pretty stupid. And uh, now there's an article here for a bunch of people moved to Bozeman, Montana, and, and they doubled the price of rentals. So, you know, they're like, they're like uh, locusts. I mean, they, they leave L.A. or San Jose or wherever, Silicon Valley, and where they inflated the real estate prices. And then they go to Bozeman and they inflate the real estate prices. So, you know, wherever they go, uh, they bring all their troubles with them. And the same thing, obviously, is true when people move from blue states to red states. Before you know it, the red states are blue because they vote socially uh, and end up raising their taxes just like they were where they came from. So, you know, you can move people around, but they're still the same people. That's the point of it. But I think that the, uh, the bottom line there is that people who are like pandemic refugees, once the I, I got my vax, thank God. And uh, I think that they may... And no, I did not turn it down because I thought I was privileged. I got lucky, okay? And uh, then, uh, you know, I think a lot of these people are going to end up moving back to where they came from because they're not going to like it wherever they moved. And I'm certainly hoping that's the case, being law and real estate in Chicago. Um, there's a... The pandemic spending hangover I posted out on the exciting Nugent Ventures LinkedIn corporate page. And, you know, it remains to be seen uh, with all this spending and stimulus and everything else, the uh, debauching of the currency would seem to follow. And, you know, the diminishing value of the dollar seems like it's a logical thing when you print more of them. If Friedman is right that inflation is always and everywhere a monetary phenomenon, we ought to be having inflation. But I think Friedman was right then, and that may be so much now, because you've gone from a labor supply. First of all, you doubled the labor supply when women, uh, women's uh, liberation you know, freed women from a time when I was a kid, and I was reminded by this of this, by the way, by a woman who became a teacher. And she said, you know, when, when I grew up, and this was, she's only like three or four years older than me. When I grew up, you would either be a teacher or a nurse. Those are the only socially, and I think that's an exaggeration, but by and large, you know, women were not as present in the workforce. And now, you know, it's kind of uncommon to find a woman who doesn't work. I managed to find one, a married one, but... Um, you know, normally it's a dual income society. So what that means is when you have dual incomes, you can pay people half as much. And that's kind of what's happened. You kind of doubled the labor force, at least in the white collar world. And uh, to a much lesser extent in the blue collar world. 
And so that was step one. And then step two, with the decline of communism, you not only doubled the workforce, uh, I mean, you doubled it globally. So, uh, you know, you've got 2 billion roughly Chinese now in the labor force and communist China, still communist China nominally. And India's come online. You know, they've kind of broken out of their socialist stupor years ago. So, you know, that really, labor is a huge part of inflation, and you just don't have any. Now, they're trying to inflate it with the $15 an hour minimum wage, but I don't know that that's going to work either. So, anyway, the, the speculation in this article is that there may be trouble down the road. And the quote I pulled out of the article is, We aren't there yet, and maybe God loves fools, drunks, and America, as Otto von Bismarck famously said. And by the way, he was the father of modern socialism, and he did it to keep his army healthy, you know, so it wasn't entirely altruistic. But then there is, but then the U.S. has never conducted a fiscal experiment like this one. The laws of economics haven't been repealed no matter what the modern monetary theorists say. And what they do say is that you can essentially borrow and finance with debt an unlimited amount of, uh, of programming if the uh, inflation rate stays below the GDP growth rate, both of which can more or less be manipulated by the United States, at least. And we are the reserve currency. So as long as we are, you know... Uh, now that's we'll see if modern monetary theory works because that's the way the the Democrats are going to govern. I think the House took away the paygo thing that's kind of been a self constraint. So you know they did that in response to Republican deficit spending, and they figured that that would hurt the Republicans. Well, then they figured out it hurts them because they can't buy as many votes. So now they've taken the brakes off there. So there's no constraint on the amount of spending. And there's no constraint on the amount of borrowing. Nobody talks about deficits. So, you know, it vindicates Dick Cheney when he said deficits don't matter. And he was, you know, pilloried by the left. But now they bought into it with this modern monetary theory. So we'll see what happens. I don't know. But that's a lot of what's fueling Bitcoin and doggy coin and everything else. People who are doing it may not realize that's what's driving it, but it is. So anyway, let's see what else is up there. Exciting Nugent Ventures LinkedIn page. Um, I'm, I'm bullish on Amicus Therapeutics. They just had some, uh, some disappointing trial results head-to-head disease I never heard of called Pompeii disease, P-O-M-P-E. But John F. Crowley is the uh, CEO and his one of his kids has it. So this is not just for money he's doing this. And also he was with the company that developed the existing cure for it. So this was a head-to-head trial, not like most of these trials that are against placebo. So check out the Mad Money clip if you're interested, but I like it. Uh, Kramer Vax trade, Disney, Boeing, Carnival, and Norwegian Cruise. And uh, I'm also bullish on kind of a pair trade here. 
And again, this isn't trading advice, just telling you what I want or what I think. Uh, bullish, I think you go long Toyota and short GM because GM's run up a lot on the electric car thing, but they have a chip shortage, which may inhibit their sales and production. So production and the sales. So Toyota says they don't have a problem. They Maybe they got a good arrangement with Taiwan Semi or whatever. Uh, Bausch Healthcare Company is thinking about selling a 30 put spread. And I uh, put a thing out there to thank listeners. So, call, gave a shout out to my, to some of my known listeners. If, if you're a listener and you want a shout out, let me know who you are. And I will uh, give you a little shout out. Now, uh, I also posted a couple of symbols out there. People asked me for symbols, and I put them out in the LinkedIn uh, company webpage. Or not webpage, the, the LinkedIn page. So if you wanted symbols, check it out there. And uh, I will, uh, if you don't get what you need there, then let me know what you're looking for, and I'll try to remember what I was talking about. But... Uh, GBTC is the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, which is a way to play the the crypto thing. And again, I'm a skeptic, but I'm starting to have trouble, you know, hanging in there on my, my skepticism. So um, PayPal is another way to play it because they are accepting it. And then I put a comment out there, which is re- re- uh, which relates to it from downtown Josh Brown, the reform broker. Momentum is buying when you believe others will come in after you, a.k.a. the greater fool theory when pricing untethers from valuation. Bitcoin is what they call a bebbling good, so says Josh, in which price elasticity of demand is inverted in that the higher the price, the greater the demand. And that's, I think, where we're at here. You know, imagine if your cash... You know, if you had bought Bitcoin at $9,000, you're four to one. Now, imagine if dollars did that, you know, and you put a dollar in a bank and now it's worth four. Well, we live in a zero interest rate world. So the possibility of your cash appreciating is very attractive. On the other hand, you know, if you get it now, it could go back down to 10. I don't know. If the feds crack down on it, that's my huge worry about it. <clears throat> and there's no way to put a value on it. Currencies are all relative to each other. You know, there's no intrinsic value for any currency, including Bitcoin, because it's not tied to anything except its own limited supply. So if people, you know, it's the emperor's new clothes. If they, if people break bad on the thing, then, and, you know, plus, in terms of owning it directly, if you lose your password, you're screwed. Well, I want to tell you, I'd be broke if that was the case. So anyway, um, another thing I put out there, there's a guy named Chris Verone from Strategus Asset Management, I think it is. I know it's, he's with Strategus, but I don't know if I picked the right one. There's a lot of companies named that. Um he is citing REITs as a recovery trade for office, retail, mall. And if you believe 
uh, that people are going to come back from Bozeman, Montana, then, you know, that might not be the worst trade in the world. Office, you know, if the offices come back to life, if retail comes back to life, if malls come back to life, I'm skeptical, but uncertain about that. I also put a post out about this clubhouse thing, which I tried and did not like, because uh, there's just the same bunch of idiots who's, who are on Facebook. I think the best way to use it is social listening. You know, if you want to figure out where people are at, at least some sub-segment, or maybe the celebrity interviews, you know, like the Elon Musks. and Elon's doing one with Kanye West, my presidential candidate. I voted for Kanye, and I'm disappointed that he didn't win. I, I want a recount. So, uh, let's see. I also put something out there as discussed on the podcast, SEMA 4, a disruptive AI-driven genomic and clinical data platform. That's not, by any means, any kind of trading advice. I also put out there a thought I had I mentioned on the podcast. You know, in terms of ranking these cash dashes, as I call them, you know, Bitcoin, most volatile, silver next, gold next, euro, uh, probably actually dollar and then euro. So euro is probably the most stable thing you can be in. I would actually lean kind of toward gold, though, if I was going to do an inflation play, because I don't think gold has run up yet. Silver has been more frothy. And then, boy, I had a lot of stuff out here. Uh, One of the silver linings of the pandemic is that biotech is being repositioned as the good guys versus ad-supported privacy-impinging tech behemoths like Google and Facebook. I think this is too harsh on the techies, but it's a well-deserved resumption for biotech in particular as uh, and, and pharma in general, which have saved and extended the... Uh, and then I, I need to edit this. Actually, take this opportunity. Oh, wait, I see. It's a well-deserved redemption for biotech in particular and pharma in general, which have saved and extended the quality-adjusted years of countless lives. And that's so true. You know. So I'm glad, you know, pharma's been demonized. You know, what's interesting is the, we used to call it the boom swinging when people are giving you grief out in the playground or whatever and you try to get the boom to swing to somebody else. Um, that well, the the socialists and the the progressives have shifted their attention from pharma, which is now good because it's invented the vaccine, to tech, which is bad because it tends to help elect Republicans. <laughs> so evil Republicans. So uh, you know, and we just kind of did have one. So. All right, and then I put out something, five fascinating weekend reads. I don't know why I put that out there. Open the story in Apple News, and you can't read it anyway, so I think I'll delete that. I don't know why I put that out there. 
that's gone. And that's it. So, uh, this is the wit and wisdom for President's Day. So, have a good President's Day. I don't know how one observes that. But uh, I'm going to observe it by working. I imagine a lot of people are. So, uh, if you're working, uh, I hope you have a productive President's Day. If you don't work anymore, then I hope you have whatever uh, fun day or uneventful day or whatever day you like to have. So that's it. Live long, prosper. Uh, Even if you got your vax, wear your mask. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.